Awesome. You have your Bibles. I want to ask you to turn to John chapter number four, and we're going to be camped there for a little while for the next few moments. John chapter number four. And of course, this is um, uh, where Jesus has this conversation, what we would call the woman at the well, uh, the well of Jacob. And so we're going to explore that. We are finishing today a series on discipleship, apprenticeship. You can be a disciple and an apprentice. You could use those words interchangeably. And we've been looking for several weeks at discipleship. What does that even mean? And we, of course, we started off um, way back in June, and we looked at kind of an overview of what is a disciple. We're transformed by the power of God, and we're, we're diligent followers of God. Then we, we kind of took the plane from way up top and looking at discipleship as an overview and dove deep into certain categories in certain areas. Uh, we looked at having togetherness and being united as the body. We looked at testing the spirits to make sure that what we're hearing and watching and receiving and our intake is actually from God and not from this world or even from our enemy, but we're really receiving things from God. We took a look at what is the disciple and money. How does that relate? What about the tithe? So we were looking at all these categories. Last week, we looked at the serving disciple as a disciple of Christ. Uh, book knowledge and study and all of those things are important and good, but there's a certain level of maturity that only can be attained if you're serving in the body of Christ and serving in the community. So today, we're going to take the plane back up to 30,000 feet. We're going to finalize this series with an overview, kind of looking down specifically at Hope Crossings, specifically at what is the mission of Hope Crossings. I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't usually do this, so hang in there, but would you please stand right now? And I want us to have a moment where we just really, again, say, God, I want to hear from you. As we open up God's word, it is just that. It is his word. And so we want to hear from God today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the fact that you've given us your word. And thank you, God, that somebody invented a printing press to multiply it. And it's spread all over the world now. And Lord, thank you that we have copies and we can read and we can perceive and understand and discern. Thank you, God. Thank you for the power of your word that has already been working within our lives and continues to. And Father, we ask and we pray that we as your ambassadors and we as those who are called to go out into our community and spread your good news, Lord, that we would take your word. We would not try to evangelize with politics. We would evangelize with your word. We would not try to evangelize by being cool. We would evangelize with your word. And so, Father, may your word be in us and radically change us, that we, Father, would know who we are in you and we would just help people discover who you are. And Lord, that's a win for everybody. So Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to, to reveal your word to us and your design and your plan. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Today, I want to really dive right into this overview of discipleship as it relates to the mission of Hope Crossings. So this is a little different today, but we're going to talk about what is the mission of Hope Crossings, this church. So if you're visiting here today, well, 
you kind of get a snapshot of what we're, what we're all about. These are things that we've been doing, but it was actually not until recently that we made this our mission. Let me give you a little history. We started to Hope Crossings in 2004, Lisa and I with our uh, three children. There was another couple here in Jefferson, lived down, actually down at the other end of this road, and we met together in their living room on a Sunday night, so we had four adults and three teenagers. The next week, we had four adults and three teenagers. The next week, we had five adults. We grew tremendously. It was awesome. And the next week, we had six. And the next week, we had eight. And it's just been like that. But shortly after starting the church, we uh, went to a conference and we were encouraged to, to have a mission statement, to develop a mission statement for the church that was being planted. There were a lot of church planters in this conference. And so they had us take a big piece of paper and write down all the things that the church was going to be about. And it's a big piece of paper, and we had stuff written down everywhere. You know, we're going to do this and do that, and this is important to God. And, and they said, okay, now pull all of that together into one sentence, and that'll be your mission statement. It's like, even with God, that's not possible. But anyway, that's not. So we, we did it. We checked that off the box. You know, we checked the box. We did it. But it was just like weird because how do, you how do you encapsulate everything that God is doing, all that the church is about, into one statement? If there are churches that have done that, God bless them, really, truly. I just found it very arduous and, and just weird. <laughs> so we had a mission statement. We didn't really use it because, can I just be honest with you? I didn't like it. I guess I can't. Y'all are completely silent after saying, you're like, I didn't, I didn't like it. We changed it and tweaked it and changed it and tweaked it over the 18 years now and a mission statement. I just can't grab, put my head around one statement, trying to encapsulate everything. So recently, it was maybe a year ago, I stumbled across a church, another church and. It was on their website, and I went to their mission statement, and I read their mission. It wasn't a statement. It was a mission. And I said, that's what I've been looking for. So we stole it. <laughs> we, we are thieves. We stole it. We may have tweaked it a little bit, but very little, because it really says what I believe is important. And it's not just one sentence. That's what we're going to talk about today, okay? So what is the mission of Hope Crossings? And so as we're looking at that, trying to take all of the Word of God and all God wants to do and put it together sequentially to say, okay, this is it, then I said, well, how, is there even like a, a verse or a, an experience in the Word that kind of encapsulates this? And, and, and I found John chapter 4, I think it's probably the closest that even in this one event, um, it encapsulates this mission. It's four part. So here we find in John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples, they've been doing ministry. They're traveling. And they come up to a place of where the Samaritans are at. And uh, there's tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. That's a whole other sermon. But there's tension there. And so... Jesus sits down beside a well, the well that Jacob dug uh, thousands of years prior to that, 
And so the disciples go into town to get food. Jesus is there by the well. And here comes a Samaritan woman out to the well to draw water. And Jesus says, would you please give me some water? And they strike up this conversation. And he, she says, well, you don't have anything to draw from. How are you going to get the water? And he said, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who was speaking to you, you would ask him for water and he would give you living water that would last forever. And that really like piqued her attention, like, whoa, this is interesting. And so they had this dialogue, they had this conversation. And she says, well, hey, would you, would you give me some of that water? That, yeah, I'd like that. And this is when Jesus really turned the corner in that conversation. And he says, well, I want you to go get your husband and bring him back out here and let's talk. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus turned the corner even sharper, and he said, you're correct. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now is not your husband. You've, you've said that correctly. Well, immediately she begins to realize, well, I'm not just talking to a dude here. This guy's got the goods. She says to him, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she goes into this. You Jews say this is the place to worship, and Samaritans are over here What's happening? And Jesus then says this, what we're going to read in John chapter number 4, and we're going to start reading at verse number 21. John 4, 21. And he says to her, woman, says, woman, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, if you can't stay there in John chapter 4, we're going to reference a couple of verses in just a moment that we didn't read, so you hang there. Let's dive into these four part of what Hope Crossing's mission is all about. Now, these are not necessarily in sequential order, though that number one is the most important and definitely the first one. But all the rest of them all happen somewhat um, together, and it's over a lifetime. So it's not like you got to have one to get two, to have three to get four. That's not the way it works. Let's start off with the first one, and that is to know God. This conversation between Jesus and this woman was all about her getting to know God through Christ. And so that's our first mission, is to introduce people to God to be those people, the body of Christ, who go out into our community and into our families and into our neighborhoods, and we just shine the love and the light of Christ so that people may know him. Paul was the one who said, you know what? When I'm with the Jewish people, I'm, I'm kind of acting Jewish because I want to win some. I'm with the Gentiles, I'm going to kind of act Gentile because I want to win some. He wasn't talking about sinning. He wasn't saying, I'll sin with them so I can win them. That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> That's not what he was talking about. But we as the body of Christ go out and we minister to the people because we want them to know God. And to know God is the greatest miracle anyone 
ever has experienced when we are born again, saved, converted, uh, brought into the body of Christ. All those terminologies, it's really about knowing God. And that is first and foremost, it is the greatest thing that we could ever do or be a part, part of. And it's to know God. How do you know God? Well, the Bible tells us that it is always through Jesus Christ. We may come to Christ from different ways and different backgrounds and different time periods of our life. But Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. And so we pull all people toward Christ that they may know God. And it is through Christ that we know him. Well, the second thing then is that God wants us to experience freedom. He wants us to experience freedom, not just intellectually understand freedom, not just have a desire for freedom, though both of those are great, but he says, I want you to experience freedom. That's where it goes beyond the intellect and beyond the desire and beyond all of the book learning and to where we actually literally experience a freedom. Freedom from the things that have held us back, freedom from our experiences in the past, freedom from wrong teaching that we maybe have uh, been subjected to in the past. He wants us to experience freedom. And I think this is why Jesus said, hey, woman, go get your husband and bring him here. Because she was married five times. No stones being thrown. But she was married five times. Why? I don't know. Maybe some of them died. Maybe some of them were jerks. I don't know. But that's some baggage. I mean, can we just acknowledge that? Okay? And what is Jesus saying? He said, look, I'll save you, but keep your baggage. No. He said, I, I want you to know me, and I will set you free. But he had to address that point. And he wanted her to experience freedom I guess maybe it was a test for her to go, well, is she going to just deny it and go, no, no, that's not true. You don't know that. <laughs> but evidently he did know that. And so she said, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. That's when she went, oh, wow, I, I, think, uh, I think you're a prophet here. What's, wow, this is amazing. God wants you to experience freedom. Freedom from all kinds of hang-ups and all kinds of bags, all kinds of stuff God says, I want you to experience that so that you can keep moving in your journey as a disciple, as an apprentice. And so these things that are in our lives that are affecting us, and we're just, we can come to him and just say, God, I need help. I need freedom in this category of my life, this area of my life. Lord, would you please bring me freedom? And God will do that. That is a prayer that God loves to answer. He wants us to experience that. What's really cool is that he really interjects with the very first verse that we read that this is about this woman. He says, starts there in verse number 21, the one we read. He says, woman, the time is coming when you will worship, either in Jerusalem or on this mountain, but in spirit and truth. But don't you love that? He didn't say, yeah, there's coming a time when some people somewhere are going to worship God in spirit and truth. He says, woman... There's coming a time when you are going to worship in spirit and truth. I believe this, this actually has kind of a double meaning. He was specific to her. And yet I believe he was also saying the Samaritan people of which you're a part of. 
this, this animosity between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people, he said, that's going to come crashing down after I've, he's not saying it, but he's, he's going like, that's going to crash down after I've been raised from the dead. That's going to, that's going to melt away. So I think it's a double meaning. He's saying, you woman, you as an individual, and he's also saying your people, this group, want, God wants us to experience that kind of freedom that we know, that we know, that we know God does not reject us. And it's not that God brings us into his family and we're one of his children, but we ain't his favorite child. You know what I mean? Some of us have that feeling, right? We kind of have the feeling, well, he's, he, he brought me into the family, but mm, I don't know if he really likes me. I would submit to you today, God loves you and he actually likes you. He really does. Because he said, you know what? He said to his disciples, now I'm calling you friend. I'm calling you friend. And I would say, God says, you are a friend of God. And that's why he wants you to experience freedom. How do, we, how do we experience that freedom? When do we experience that freedom? It can be on Sunday morning in our worship services and we pray for one another and we preach the word of God in truth. Bible studies, Wednesday night, uh, we're going to be starting Bible studies uh, real soon for the adults in August. And we're going to kick that off in that dinner on the ninth. Life groups. Every time we meet together, all of the fellowship that we have with one another, we're studying the word of God, we're learning, we're growing, and we can experience freedom because that's God's will. Number three, the third thing is to discover your purpose. Man, this is so, this, this is as, just as exciting as all of it, but to discover your purpose. Why am I here? Why am I in the body of Christ? Why am I saved? And sometimes people, they get saved and they just kind of go like, I don't know what to do now. And God's going, I've given you gifts. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit entered into your life and God gives you gifts. That's your purpose in life. He wants you to use those gifts to fulfill your purpose. And we need to discover those, that purpose. Evidently, this woman's gift was evangelism. Because after Jesus and she has this conversation, the disciples are coming back with food. She leaves her water pot there at the well and she goes into the town. You know what she does? She gets, I don't know, she gathers people around. I don't know how she did it, but she was telling people in the town, you need to come meet this guy that told me all about my life. Could he be the Messiah? You need to come meet this guy. You need to meet. Immediately, she knew what she needed to do. And she was being influential and she was being evangelistic, we would use that term. Now, how do you discover what your gifts are, your gift? How do you, well, I would say hang around some other believers and, and find out what you're good at. Find out how you relate with the body of Christ and with the community. How is it that God is gonna use you to help even one, two, 10, 20, 100 people come to know Christ? We actually have a, a spiritual gifts assessment. It's, a, I don't know, 50 questions that you answer. It's, it's a tool. It's not perfect, but you can start there, okay? You want that? Send me a text or an email. We'll get that to you. We'll send it to you. So it's just a way to kind of say, okay, what, what are my gifts? One way to start is what do you like to do? What are you good at? If you're really good at organization, you probably have the gift of organization. which every body of people needs, right? 
So what are your gifts? What, that, that just shows our purpose. God, how are you going to use me within the body of Christ and in the community? How are you going to use me? He gives us gift, a gift or gifts, and he wants us to use those. And that's where we find that it's the square peg in the square hole. It fits. It works. And, man, there's, there's no, like, oh, this isn't working. It's like it does work, and we're moving forward in the body of Christ. All right, so we discover those gifts. Then last, we make an impact. When we know God, we've experienced freedom, we've discovered our purpose, then we're making an impact. Now, this woman didn't wait until she had taken the spiritual assessment, did she? She just went right for it and said, I think I can be influential here. Now, look what happened. Read there in verse number 42. If you've got that open, we don't have it on the screen. You have to look at it. Verse 42. So the woman goes into town. She's telling people, you got to come meet this guy. Look what happens. Verse 42. And they, the people of the town, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Isn't that amazing? That is an impact that the people of this town called Sikar, they, they, they heard her talk about Jesus. They came out and met Jesus, and now they're saying, hey, we, we kind of believed when we talked to you and you talked to us, and we kind of heard it. But, man, now we came out. We heard him for ourselves, and now we know this guy's the Savior of the world. That's an impact. And I believe that every person in this room wants to make an impact, whether in your family your church, in your community, wherever you're at, that's what God wants for your life. And isn't that what really charges us up? When we are investing ourselves into a goal, we're investing ourselves into a direction, we're making an impact, man, it just charges us up, doesn't it? Because why? Because we were created, can I just use the term to win without that being weird? We were created to win. We were created to make a positive impact, to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And when we're doing that, it just charges us up, and we're like, I want more. I want more. I want more. God didn't create you to lose. He created you to win or to be successful or to make an impact. And so, man, that just charges us up. So that's what Hope Crossings is all about, making an impact because we know our purpose because we're experiencing freedom, because we know God. So the question is always, okay, where are we at? Where are you at as an individual within this whole sphere, these four? Do you know God? If you don't know God, if you don't know Christ, that can change right here, right now, today. Because it's just really a matter of just coming to God and saying, God, I, I need you. I've been living life and it's not working the way I know it's supposed to work. I know there's something better for me than what I've experienced. And Lord, I, I need you. And we just come to God and we pray a prayer, something like, God, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for all the things I've done wrong. Lord, I want to go your way. I want to be, be one of your children. Praying a prayer, something like that. And say, God, please accept, accept my, the gift of my life. Here I am. And God loves to answer that prayer. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What about in freedom? Are you experiencing freedom? And that's a lifelong thing. It's lifelong. Are you experiencing freedom? It's not enough just to know about it, to read about it. 
but to really experience that freedom where you're not held back any longer. And then boy, to, to know, what is my purpose? What are my gifts? And then to get it going and make an impact. That's what Hope Crossings is all about. That's why to just try to put that in one sentence, I could never do that. I was so glad somebody smarter than me and wiser than me came up with these four things and I was able to just steal it. Amazing. But I've personalized this and we have as a church, I submitted this to the elders and we talked about it and we were like, that's, that's, that's awesome. With the staff, shared it with the staff. They're like, we're in, that's good. It says what we're supposed to be doing in a, in a strategic way. And so that's our mission for Hope Crossings. And everything we do is going to be funneled, if you will, into one of those four or more. Every event, everything we do is just which, which one of these are we focused on. And we're going to do them all at the same time because we need to experience all of these at the same time. So that's where we're at. But that first one, do you know God today? You're here so you know about him. You're here so you're interested, but do you actually know him? Because that's the game changer. None of the rest of these three really do anything until the first one's met, and that is to know God. Do you know him? And how do you know him? Just by saying, Lord, I need you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I'm putting my faith and confidence in Jesus Christ for my salvation. Man, that's, that's when it happens. And that can happen right here today. So I encourage you, challenge you, implore you, please, know Christ today. Come to him and say, Lord, I believe. I believe in Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose from the dead, and now he's conquered death. And that's what gives us eternal life in God. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray that prayer today.